How are y'all doing tonight? I am so glad to be back up here in front of you all. And tonight, before we jump into message, I want to start off a little bit differently, and I want to kind of get to know everybody in this room a little bit more. So, if you guys have a fear, if you're afraid of something, can you raise your hand? A fear. If you have a fear or afraid of something, can you raise your hand? All right, that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. And I think if you're not raising your hand, you're just trying to seem kind of cool. Like, you know what? No, I'm not afraid of anything. But I guarantee everybody in this room has a fear. So I thought it'd be a little fun to kind of throw up some common fears on the screen and kind of figure out exactly what we're afraid of. So the first fear is the fear of heights. The fear of heights. How many people are scared of heights in the room? I, I, I never really understood the fear of heights until just recently. Like, I was never scared of heights. I could always go on roller coasters and not be scared. But over the past couple of years, I've started to develop a little fear of heights. Like, roller coasters aren't as fun as they used to be. Like, I'm pretty sure if I went and got up on Shikra, I would probably pee my pants. Like, that just seems a little horrifying now. All right, what about the second fear? The fear of bugs. The fear of bugs. A lot of people, I'll be honest, I'm fear of bugs. I am, I am horrified of bugs. I remember this one time, it was late at night, I, I had gone out to my kitchen, I'd opened up my cabinet, I was trying to get some water, and I opened up the cabinet where my cups were, and when I opened it, a cockroach came flying out and landed on my face. Like, it was, it was probably the most horrifying thing I've ever been through. It was awful. And, like, since that day, if I see a cockroach, I will call my dad to be like, hey, can you please kill that? Like, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit that. I'm not embarrassed to admit that. All right, what about the fear of the dentist? The fear of the dentist. Hey, hey, don't, don't, don't judge. Don't, you, don't judge. Some people are scared of the dentist. You know, I'm not scared of the dentist. I'm not scared of the dentist, but I don't like the dentist. You know, I don't like it because when I go, they're sticking stuff in my mouth, and then they're trying to talk to me, but I can't answer them. Like, why, why are you trying to talk to me? I can't answer you. All right, next fear, the fear of public speaking. The fear of public speaking. I'll be honest, I'm kind of horrified of public speaking. You know, I might, I might, I probably shouldn't say that considering I'm up here talking to all of you, but it's, it's nerve wracking. It's horrifying getting up in front of a ton of people and talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'll be honest. Or what about the last one? The fear of darkness. The fear of darkness. You know, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. When I was younger, in middle school, I could not sleep without my nightlight. Like, I needed my nightlight to sleep. And my nightlight, it was super cool. You'd plug it in and it would project the solar system up on, up on the ceiling. Like, it was super cool. I could not sleep without it. But as you can all see, as you can all see by the hands that were raised in this room, we all have fears. We all have things that we're scared of things that make us jump, things that make us scream. 
And these fears that we have, they can even stop us from doing things. Like if you're scared of heights, you'll avoid roller coasters. Like if you're scared of the dark, you, you can't fall asleep unless you got your nightlight plugged in. Like if you have these fears, they can stop us from doing things that we might wanna do. So tonight we are finishing up our series, Strongholds. And in this series, we have, we've been really discussing some challenging topics. Topics that we've never really talked about before on Wednesday nights. Topics that have all been centered around spiritual strongholds in our life. And we have learned that strongholds, they were a fortress in a city when there was a time of war. There were these rooms that were built at the highest peak of a city. They were heavily guarded. They were heavily reinforced. And they were considered to be the safest place in the city. And when that city was under attack, when they were at war, all the leaders would go to this stronghold and they would wait out the war. You see, just like these ancient strongholds, we have spiritual strongholds as well. We have areas in our life where a false belief and idea are strongly defended. It is this mental and emotional space that is controlled by the enemy. And the enemy, he uses this stronghold to spread lies in our mind and to create faulty realities. It is this, it's, it's this area in our life where the enemy creates doubt, he creates loneliness, he creates feelings of anxiety. And these fears that we have, these, these fears that are in the stronghold can really limit us and limit what we do. So tonight, we are going to be talking about the stronghold of fear. Not fears like the ocean or fears of darkness or of heights, but the fears in our life that paralyze us. The fears in our life that keep us from reaching our true potential. The fears in our life that, that, that keep us from following God's calling for our life, that keep us from growing in our faith. Fears like the fear of failure. This persistent fear that you are going to fail at whatever it is you're trying. And this fear, it can, it can emerge as a response to a certain situation. Like maybe you've tried something before, maybe you've attempted something and you just completely failed. People laughed at you, people judged you, people were disappointed in you. And this experience that you have gone through has now caused you to fear trying things ever again. Like you don't wanna be laughed at, you don't wanna be judged, and you now have this fear of failure. Or this fear can form because you're a perfectionist. Because you set such high expectations for yourself, such high expectations that you're gonna succeed in this area, and when you don't meet those high standards that you have set, you feel like you failed. You feel like you've let your friends down, your family down. In this fear, it's caused you to feel like you've just disappointed them. You, fear, you feel helpless, you feel powerless, or maybe you have a fear of the unknown. You know, most fears that we have are because we know something or someone can hurt us. Like we know that, we're, we're scared of snakes because we know that they can bite us and they can hurt us. Or you know, I'm scared of the ocean because I know what's out there, it can hurt me. Like I don't want a shark to come up on me, that's horrifying. But the fear of the unknown is different because it's uncertain. We can't predict it. We can't know that something is going to work or something is going to happen. 
And this, this unpredictability, it scares us. Like some of you, the future is horrifying. Some of you seniors, as you're kind of looking at colleges that you might attend, places you might go, you're kind of scared because you don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know how that's going to turn out for your life. So this fear of the unknown, it's controlled some of your decision making. Or some of us, we fear rejection. You know, all of us experience some nerves when we place ourselves in, in a place where we can be rejected. And this fear, it can really hurt us and can cripple us in a lot of areas. It can hurt us in our professional and our personal lives. Situations like job interviews, meeting new people, or even dating. You know, we fear that if we put ourselves out there, we fear that if we try and meet new people and talk to them, they're not going to like us. We're not going to fit into their friend group. We're not going to fit in to their place of work. And this fear of rejection can even hinder us in our faith. You know, we can be scared of, of sharing the gospel with somebody that we know because we don't want them to reject us. We don't want them to make fun of us or judge us for what we believe. And so we use this excuse, this, this fear, as a way of not sharing the gospel. I know I've done this countless times in our life. You see, all these fears that we have can keep us from reaching our true potential. They keep us from trying new things. They keep us from meeting new people. They keep us from following our calling from God. And they create feelings of loneliness, feelings of insecurity, of helplessness. And the enemy, he uses the stronghold of fear to spread lies in our mind. He uses this, these stronghold of fears to spread the lie that you aren't good enough. That you're not good enough to follow God's calling for your life. You're not good enough to, to try this new thing because you're just going to fail. You're not good enough. You're not capable of doing it. Or the lie that we're alone. You know, that nobody else knows what we're going through. Nobody else knows the, the feelings that we're, that we're feeling. Nobody else understands this feeling of, of helplessness, of powerlessness that I, that I have. Nobody can understand me. They can't help me. I am alone in this fear. Or the lie that we can never overcome our fear. The lie that, that we can never overcome the fear in our life. That we just have to learn to live with it. We just have to learn to, to deal with it. Like we're always going to have this fear. We can't get over it. But what I want you to know tonight is that you are good enough you are not alone, and you can overcome this fear. You see, we are not the first people to struggle with fear. The Bible is full of stories of men and women who struggled with fear. I mean, we see Adam and Eve, the first people ever created, the first people who were ever on earth struggled with fear. They were scared that God would see them for who they really were, that God would see the sin in their life, and they ran and hid from God. We see later that Moses was scared because God called him to leave his profession and to save the Israelites. Moses was scared that, that, that he wasn't good enough, was scared that, that he wasn't capable of doing this. 
we then see that the Israelites were scared that God wouldn't save them, that they were just wandering around the desert to die, that God had abandoned them, that God wasn't there for them. The Israelites were scared. You see, there are many stories in the Bible about people struggling with fear. People with tremendous faith, people that had seen God do some amazing things, yet they still struggled with fear. You see, they were scared of failing. They were scared of the unknown. And this fear, it hindered them from their true potential. And I think a great example of this comes from the book of First Kings about a man named Elijah. You see, Elijah was a prophet instructed by God to go and rescue his people. In Elijah's story, it starts in 1 Kings chapter 17. And here we kind of learn about what's going on. You see, the people of Israel, the people in Israel, they were, they were being governed by these two kings who were known as the most corrupt kings and the, the corrupt queen that ever ruled Israel. This king was named King Ahab, and his queen was Queen Jezebel. And these, these corrupt rulers, they were worshiping this false god named Baal, and they were sending out their prophets, they were sending out their servants to kill the people of God. And as you can imagine, God was not happy about this. He was frustrated that they were doing this. He was frustrated that this was happening. So God sent Elijah to talk to King Ahab. And in 1 Kings 17.1, it reads, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, man, that's a mouthful. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So God, he told Elijah to go and confront King Ahab. And so Elijah, he goes and he comes up to King Ahab and he's like, all right, this is what's going on. There is not going to be rain or dew for the next several years. Like there's not even going to be dew in the morning. There is going to be a severe drought. And sure enough, over the next several years, there was no rain. There was no dew. The rivers started to dry up. The crops were all dying, leaving King Ahab and his people in a tough spot. And after a while, God, he told Elijah to go back and talk to King Ahab. Picking up in 1 Kings 18, 17, it says, When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the balls. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashura, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah, he comes to King Ahab, and King Ahab has the nerve to be like, Elijah, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Like, this is your fault for what the people of Israel are going through. You know, it couldn't be on me, the guy who's been such a great leader to these people. This is on you. And Elijah's like, hold up, hold up. Like, this is not on me. You're the one whose, whose family and yourself abandoned the Lord's calling for your life. You're the ones who stopped following God's command and started following this false God. 
Continuing in verse 20, it says, So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You see, Elijah, he's kind of had enough. He's like, all right, I, I'm sick of King Ahab. I'm sick of you being such a corrupt leader, such a corrupt ruler to the people of Israel. And you know what? I'm sick of the people of Israel kind of wavering between two opinions, of following this false god, Baal, or following the Lord God. So Elijah, he's like, all right, let, let's put an end to this. Let's figure out who the one true God is. So Elijah, he's like, all right, I'm going to propose a challenge to you all. All right, so you, King Ahab, get your 450 prophets of Baal, grab two bulls, and bring them to where we are. And so the, the 450 prophets, they do this. They bring the two bulls, and he's like, all right, you pick one of the bulls, cut it into pieces, and put it on wood, but do not set fire to it. And he's like, and I will take the other bull and do the same thing. And then he goes, if you... You guys pray to Baal, and I will pray to the Lord God. And whoever's God answers first is the one true God. So the people, they agree to this. They get the bulls. They prepare them. They throw them on the wood. Elijah does the same thing. And he's like, all right, you guys, you go first. Like, you guys, you pray to Baal first. You do what it is you do, and I will go second. So the prophets of Baal, they start dancing, they start jumping around, they start shouting out to Baal, like, please, set this bull on fire. Show the people that you are the one true God. But Baal did not answer. So Elijah kind of sitting back, kind of seeing what they're doing, he kind of he pokes a little fun. He's like, oh, maybe if you try again, like, keep going, keep going. Maybe dance, lo dance longer, shout louder, maybe he'll answer then. But Baal still did not answer. So Elijah, he's like, all right. Like, you have, you've had enough. Now it's my turn. And he goes, he, he says, all right, people, come gather close. Gather around. You're not going to want to miss what's about to happen. And so Elijah, he goes up to the bull on the wood, and he gets four jars. And he has people fill the jars with water, pour them all over the bowl until it's soaking wet, until there's puddles of water on the ground. And he's like, all right, now it's my turn to show you something. And he comes forward and he prays to the Lord God, calling out, God, please show these people you are the one true God. Reveal your power, reveal your faithfulness. And immediately after he stopped praying, the bull set on fire. The bull set ablaze. And when the people saw this, they fell on their knees and they called out, the Lord is God. The Lord you serve is God. And Elijah, he grabbed the 450 prophets of Baal and he slaughtered them where they were. You see, Elijah, he followed the Lord's commands. He followed his calling that God had given him he followed what he had told him, and God remained faithful. God stayed faithful to the promises that he made. But this is not where our story ends. 
You see, after the bull set ablaze, after the people bowed down and worshiped the Lord God, Ahab rode off to Jezebel, his wife, to tell her everything that had happened. To tell her, that, to tell her what, what Elijah had done. To tell her that he had killed their prophets, that he had proved that his God was the one true God. And when Jezebel heard this, when Jezebel heard what Ahab had to say, she was not happy. She was furious. And she sent a messenger to, to Elijah to tell him that she was going to kill him. That she was going to take his life. Picking up in 1 Kings 19.3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he ran himself while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. You see, Elijah was so scared of what Jezebel had said, was so scared that his life might end, was so scared of what he didn't know, that he ran as far as he could. He literally ran for a full day until finally he ended up in the wilderness. He, he had run for long enough and he sat down and he was like, God, please take my life. Like, God, I'm so tired of being here. I'm so tired of being scared. I'm so tired of fearing for my life, God, that just end it now. Get it, get it over with, God. I'm done being afraid. You know, sometimes I think we can act the same way. You know, maybe we don't run for our life. Maybe we're not physically running away. Like you aren't going to run out of this building and just take off down Bell Shoals because you're scared. But instead, we mentally try and run away. We push down our fears. We try to ignore them. And when we do this, we allow the enemy to take a hold of that stronghold, take a hold of the stronghold of fear and feed us lies that we start to believe. We start to become anxious. We start to feel helpless. We start to feel alone. You know, we're like Elijah, even though we've seen God do some amazing things, even though we've seen God do some amazing things in our life, we're still afraid that he's not gonna show up. Or we're still afraid that his calling for our life isn't the right thing. You know, we, like Elijah, can be scared. And we can start to believe the lies like we're alone, like we're not good enough, and like we can't overcome our fear. And tonight as we wrap up, I want to give us three ways to overcome our fear. Three simple ways that can help us overcome the fear in our life. The first one is the fear. The first one to overcome your fear is to be honest about them. Is to simply just be honest about the fears in your life. Instead of trying to push them down, instead of trying to ignore them and pretend like they don't exist, is to come before your friends, your family, and God and be honest about the fears that you struggle with. In Psalm 34, 4 through 5, it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never 
be ashamed. You see, these verses don't start by saying, you know what? With the fears in your life, just run away from them. Push them down, avoid them, pretend like they don't exist. This verse instead says, seek out the Lord. Be honest with him and he will deliver you from the fears that you face. In order to overcome our fear, we need to be honest about them. The second way to help us overcome our fear is to trust in God. This can sometimes be difficult to do. I know we can sometimes struggle with with trusting in God. You know, especially when we're scared, especially when we're struggling with fears, especially when we've believed the lie that we're alone, that God isn't there to help us. It can be hard to trust in God. But in Psalm 56, three through four, it says, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? When we're afraid, we need to trust in God. Because when we trust in God, when we trust that he is gonna protect us, that he is there for us, that he can help us overcome our fears, There is nothing that the world can do. There is nothing that fear can do to us because we have God on our side. We need to first be honest about our fears. We need to then trust in God. And thirdly, we need to surrender totally to God. We need to surrender fully to God. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul is saying here that if you let the Holy Spirit preside over you, if you allow Jesus into the stronghold of fear in your life, he will liberate you from all the fears that you face. You know, if we truly surrender to God, he will destroy the stronghold of fear in our life. And what this means is that we have to let God into the deepest and darkest spaces in our heart. That we have to let God into the stronghold, into the fears that we face so that he can liberate us from them. We need to be honest about our fear. We need to trust in God. And we need to surrender totally to him. You know, fear is probably the stronghold in my life that I have struggled with the most. You know, I still struggle to this day with fear. I know I've shared this story a couple times, but in high school, I was called into full-time ministry. And the idea of that, the idea of going into ministry, the idea of coming up on a stage and speaking to a bunch of people horrified me. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt that I wasn't capable. I was scared that I would fail. I was scared that I wouldn't be good enough. And honestly, public speaking terrifies me. Getting up in front of people is hard for me. It pushes me out of my comfort zone. And the fact that God was calling me to do something that I wasn't comfortable with was not something that I wanted to do. So instead of following his calling for my life, I let the stronghold of fear make me do something different. I ran from his calling. I ran from following what God had for me. And I instead chose to do something 
that I thought was easier. Something that, that, that didn't terrify me. Something that I felt I could accomplish and not fail at. But when I did this, when I just avoided the fears in my life, when I just pushed them down, I felt helpless. I felt powerless. I felt alone. And I experienced some of the worst times in my life. When I didn't follow God's calling for my life, I felt alone. I let the stronghold of fear I let the devil's lies and I believed them. And when I was going through this time, when I was at my lowest, I remembered hearing the song, Follow You Anywhere. And in the bridge of this song, it says, no matter where you lead me, no matter where you call me, all I want is you. And I remember hearing that. And in that moment, I realized that I need to follow God's calling for my life, that it doesn't matter where he's called me. It doesn't matter where he leads me. It doesn't matter if I might fail or if it might push me out of my comfort zone, but I need to follow God's calling for my life. I need to let him into the stronghold of fear that I was struggling with because his calling, his plan for my life was better than anything that I could do on on my own. And so in that moment, I realized, you know what, God, I'm going to follow your, your calling for my life. I'm not going to let this stronghold of fear consume me and stop me from reaching my full potential. I'm not going to let it stop me from growing in my faith. God, I let you into the stronghold of fear that I'm going through. So in a little bit, we're going to sing that song, Follow You Anywhere. And tonight, if you're struggling with fear, if the stronghold of fear is part of you that you, you've just pushed it down, you've avoided it, you've pretended like it didn't exist, I want you while we sing this song to call out to God, to let him into the stronghold of fear that you are going through, to stop believing the enemy's lies that you're not good enough, that you're alone, that you can't overcome this fear, and tonight give that fear to God. Because no matter where he calls you, no matter where he leads you, his plan for your life is better than anything else. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. God, I pray for any student here that's struggling with fear. God, that any student here that's believing the lies the enemy is telling them that they're not good enough, that they're alone, that they can't overcome the fear in their life, God, I pray tonight that you will liberate them from that. That tonight they will open up to you, they will let you into the stronghold that they're going through, God, and that they will overcome it. Because God, with you, we can overcome the strongholds in our life. God, I pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name, amen.